and welcome to another episode of The Brand Situation. This is your host, co-host Tamika Morrison, Timo. I am in Atlanta where I'm headquartered. I need to be traveling soon and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, the um, brand expert that he is, Mr. P. Parks. How are you, Patrick? I am good. How are you, Timo? I'm doing good. It's Oscar time. It's Oscar time. So I'm looking forward to the shenanigans that will play out. I say with a question mark. Oh, yeah. Oscar so white or Oscar so male. All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So... Um, we're probably going to have to do a special Oscars edition because it has not yet played out, but it, it will either require a special session or we will be talking about the Oscars um, a bit later in another episode. But today we have a full agenda. As always, it's been another week of Dizian news. Um, and so we're going to try to be more succinct and be more mindful of our time. We get a little passionate about what we talk about um and it's been it's really been that type of um climate lately just a lot to talk about but starting with the entertainment pop culture um there's a few things that we're gonna start off with and just to get them out of the way yes i will be addressing the jesse smollett situation again amen (laughs) R. Kelly is in, he made the news again this week. Um, Queen Latifah is doing some amazing things. And um, Wendy Williams, she is coming back, apparently. So, How you doing? How huh? you doing? How you doing? Yes, she's coming back. <laughs> she's coming back. So anyway, before we get any further in the show, I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way. Um, you know, we've covered the Smollett situation it's a it's a real hashtag brand situation and we're gonna go ahead and give the hashtag bs on top of that Mm -hmm. this is how i personally feel i'm taking off my brand experts hat off and just say that jesse is my skin folk and i think that i i sit in a position that i can extend grace to him which I've seen done all the time with the lighter skin folk and I'm talking about you white people y'all listen to our show too but you know the thing that I see a lot that happens in your community and I don't think that we black community and yes I am separating us in this in, in this instance and just bear with me is that I see that a lot of uh, white people get give each other passes and the media certainly give a pass to um, white males in particular when they are accused of heinous crimes, meaning like terroristic, domestic terrorists. I don't have to tell you what the stereotype is. Um, I don't have to tell you what the reality is with that. You can go do the research for yourself about that. But oftentimes it's, 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 um, coupled with the fact that it was a troubled young man 
Um, he had a he was depressed and mentally struggling. It's a mental situation. And listen, those things are valid. Um, but I think that with saying that, that that's that's also the case too. We're all human, no matter our skin color. And so Jesse seems to be a man that is going through a lot right now. Um, obviously. Um, it seems to be very out of character for him. He has been accused of lying and and plotting this whole concocted story of being attacked. And there are a lot of people that are hurt because of this alleged lie. What I'm going to say just personally is that I extend grace to Jesse and I really hope that he gets the help that he needs um, because this has played out very badly very badly it's a lot of people that extended themselves to him during this difficult time that are now just not sure what to believe anymore due to the recent findings of the chicago police and the press conference that ensued putting on my brand experts hat i stand by what i said before jesse has a brand situation on his hands and he has injured his own career um Unfortunately, he may have also injured those of his siblings because of this selfish act. So the recommendation that I believe I shared previously is that it's probably best for him to lay low. You know, Um, I'm not sure that I will be interested in continuing to talk about this. It continues to play itself out in the news media as of this broadcast um, with more things coming out but I think at the end of the day we can bottom line it and say that this is a a young man who was feeling the pressures of fame and unfortunately he lied to get get some attention or to get more money and it probably was both money and attention and this has just backfired so this is a um, cautionary tale of what can happen when you are in the spotlight and the importance of having people around you who are not just going to say yes to you but will call you out so P if you don't have anything to add to it we can move on to the next um, thing on the agenda because I know how you feel about this we can move on <laughs> <laughs> okay so y'all I have to say, as this situation was playing out with Jesse, I know I just said I wasn't going to talk about him anymore. I had, Mm -hmm. I tweeted out from the brand situations, Twitter handle, uh, why, you know, while we're talking about Jesse, why is R. Kelly still walking around free? And then lo and behold, the heaven, heaven heard us, heard my cry. And R. Kelly has now been indicted and is in jail as of this hour, right now. Mm. for sex crimes hallelujah hallelujah wow that's amazing it's a long time coming it's a long time coming yeah and um it was not easy to arrive at this place and it took a lot of people being brave and willing to um put their reputations on the line and expose him in ways that you know it probably would have been easier to talk about it behind the scenes um but they 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 did not give up and so now we are, we are here and it's really sad um it's really sad i don't know if you watched any of the coverage when they did a press conference about um with his attorney and um 
around his bell. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay. It was a circus. But I, I would say the thing that was like really like sad in terms of like thinking about where R. Kelly is is that you know his bail was set at one million dollars and that's about 10 percent of you need to come up with 10 percent in the order to bond out R. Kelly doesn't even have a hundred thousand dollars to his name and wow that's crazy okay. and I heard too and that not to put you up, but I heard that um his wife has just um, put charges on him for child support, and he has to pay like what two hundred thousand and two hundred fifty thousand or something for child support. So if he doesn't have the money for that, then he definitely doesn't have the money for the child support. It's just it's daunting um, because <laughs> you would think that someone with his um, lengthy career and how long he's been able to pretty much still you know um be a chart topping artist and by all appearances seem to be making loads of money this man doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars what see this is another thing though timo another thing is what people a lot of people don't know and maybe they picked it up on the the um uh surviving r kelly uh docuseries but Aaliyah's family, they owned his masters. I think the early masters where he, you know, all his big hits, they owned the rights to that, that music. That was really? a quid pro quo. Yeah, that was a quid pro quo for the whole debaucherous uh, marriage slash a moment. Mm. The, mm. the exchange, uh, Barry Hankerson, you know, he was a, a, a very crafty person uh, mm-hmm. but they they worked it out where you know Aaliyah's family and it's that's a very touchy subject but Aaliyah's family has been sitting pretty because of that but R. Kelly has not you just dropped a major bombshell P mm-hmm. I had no idea a lot of people don't know that and Aaliyah's family wow I, I, you I'm know his sure attorney mom, had I'm sorry her mom doesn't want her mom doesn't want people to know that I'm sure but anyway well his attorney had mentioned while he was uh addressing the press and i have to say it got it, it was a circus this attorney seems to be from a different planet i tell you he, he <laughs> was pretty funny himself i mean like not in a good way <laughs> but um and then there was the um antagonistic reporter i think the guy from the chicago tribune who has been the one pretty much keeping the story alive he was pretty fired up but a what made him mad apparently was that the attorney was downplaying the accusations of the young ladies and pretty much saying that you know you can't believe them just because they say it happened doesn't make it true and you know he had the attention of all the media when he was saying this and so that um, reporter from the Chicago Tribune dropped the f-bomb <laughs> on him and I was really taken aback by him being so emotional you know kind of like throwing professionalism out the window and was quick to get really emotional um but you know like I said it was it was a bit of a circus but the attorney did say you know um you would think that someone with R. Kelly statue would be a rich man by now but he doesn't I don't he said and I quote I don't think he even owns the rights to I believe I can fly 
there you go so it also goes back into the conversation surrounding artists needing to get control of their masters not Mm -hmm. to Sierra and her hubby Russell Williams I'm sorry Russell Wilson and just to be better educated about the business side of uh, music because it's the music business you know and that goes to the point of Art Kelly not being able to read and write you know so say that last part again you broke up a little bit between R. Kelly and who well I was saying that was that just goes back to this notion of R. Kelly not being able to read and write and also people needing to know um you know to get better educated on the business side because it is the music business come on now so you need to be not only able to you know pick up that mic and drop them bars but you need to also be able to count those checks you know and god rest her soul you know the queen of soul used to say i'm not getting on that stage until you give me my check and by, by check i mean my cash in my hand she would not get on stage until she had her money and she took it on the stage with her because oftentimes she would have her purse on stage <laughs> she wouldn't even leave it in the dressing room so anyway all that being said it, it's a it's a it's a travesty that r kelly is in that place but this is what happens when um being uneducated and i don't mean educated about in terms of going to school but just what you're doing you know and getting the right people around you who's going to look after you you know and how that can just lead you down a path uh of just you know, your own undoing. Separate and apart from his whole debaucherous activity, right? Just if you looked mm-hmm. at that, everybody by, by any estimation, he should have been set. This man was operating in every genre from country to to pop mainstream to to vocal as it relates to Celine Dion and Whitney Houston. He was in every genre for the most part. How are you going to yeah. not be able to have $100,000 to your name? Right. Very, very, very sad. Very sad. But yeah, it definitely um, highlights uh, weakness in, in his management, entire management team. And it also points to obviously just having yes people around you, you know, um, people who don't um, call you to the call, call, you know, call you out on your stuff and, you know, really talking to you like they really care, not about your ability to pay them, but you care about your ability to build your legacy and, and have a, a, a business that functions accordingly you know that is functional so um but you know we will continue to watch this story play out of course um but um the win here is that those um cries for help by the parents and the victims that was not in vain and that documentary definitely did what it needed to do to finally get some justice at least an appearance of justice started so before we um, run out of time on this uh, top hour we have um, Queen Latifah she is in the news for investing in affordable housing in her hometown of Newark New Jersey I saw that and I was like, go queen. You know, she continues to always like expand her brand, her portfolio. And I just love, I love how she's setting herself up. Well, this is an, um, 
a counterpoint to the R. Kelly example. Yeah. You know, where you have someone who she has run her own company for a very long time. I'm sure she has multiple companies, but when I was going up, uh, when, we, when we were growing up, she had Flavor Unit, mm-hmm. and she had artists on her um, uh, on her lineup. She also had the Living Single Show. You know, uh, Queen had her hand in a lot of stuff, but behind the scenes, her mom was definitely one of those people that was encouraging her to get her affairs in order. Um, I can't say the same thing for R. Kelly. I don't know how uh, involved his mother was. I would I would think less involved, if not involved at all. But this, it's, it's an amazing contrast in terms of how somebody who could uh, be at that level of stardom and fame has been able to have a legacy. Yes. So, P, I've been, you've been going in and out a lot. So, I don't know if you can adjust your positioning, but um, thankfully, we haven't lost you. Uh, we, we continue to still work on our technical difficulties with the show. So, we just thank you for bearing with us. And, P, also let me know if I sound like I am going in and out as well. Um, but, yes, that is a um, definitely Queen Latifah's story is a counterpoint to uh, how you, you know, what, what you want to do. <laughs> when you're building your brand versus what not to do when you're building your brand and these are in a very high at a very high level you know very high level so hopefully you know what people can take away from the contrast of these two stories whether you are at the top of your game or you know in in the beginning of it the importance of competent strong capable people around you that's obviously a, um, gonna be those things will be the, ter- the determination of how the brand ultimately ends up becoming or the legacy that you leave so moving right along so Wendy Williams has actually decided to come back to her show <laughs> <laughs> did she decide that somebody else decide that did she decide that you know, I don't know what's going on over there. There has been so many rumors at this point that you don't know what's real and what's fake. I mean, the last article that I read prior to this story breaking was that she was no longer speaking with her um, staff. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard, that the staff, she and the staff had stopped speaking and they were going into reruns and that the show was up in the air. And then the next day, Wendy Williams is coming back. You know, at this point, do we even care? Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Wow. Okay. Well, before you do that, before you go down that road, there was also a rumor that um, Steve Harvey was going to possibly replace her because he's being removed out of his time slot and being dropped for Kelly Clarkson to come in there, which is a whole nother situation brand situation yeah and they were thinking of bring, about bringing steve harvey over so hmm. you know going from having the staff and wendy not communicate to also having steve harvey being in the mix to now two months later it seems she just reappears i want to know what's really behind that it seems very fishy i tell you what these the, the media moves keep us on our toes as practitioners in this field you know i can i can barely keep up i did hear about the kelly clarkson show which i think is very interesting 
um, <laughs> that she even a has a word. show. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, but Steve seems he seems to be doing well. I mean, he he continues to you know he has the same slot at three p.m. at least on the East Coast. It comes on at three p.m. Um, I think it's on a Fox Channel. Um, you know, it almost makes sense. Um, if if there was a replacement for Wendy Williams, I think Steve could probably hold that spot well. Um, because they they had the similar format, especially when he switched over to celebrity brands um being his dominant you know um the dominant act that he he would he would share his platform with um yeah at this point I don't even know if I care enough I believe that Wendy Williams has damaged her brand um because of everything that has played out I don't know if it was the timing of all the news or the fact that she was not being honest about her own hot topics you know or a combination of both but I think that with her building herself as the queen of hot topics and spilling the tea on people's lives meanwhile the tea is being spilled all over the room in her own life and she refuses to address it It, it's very cowardice of her and I think it's turned a lot of people off well let's see though Let's see. The, the jury's still out as to what she does when she comes back because a certain groundswell that had popping at the bit to see what her return would be like. And if this return is more sober, uh, if it is more to the tune of what you're saying, she does a, the a 180 in terms of now disclosing, you know, possibly she cries I'm not saying she's gonna uh, you know stage that but let's see what happens because this moment is right for either it going left or right and right and when I say right in the right better direction uh, because it, it could go either way right now yeah it could really go either way but as as with all of these stories in, in today's entertainment pop culture section we're going to continue to watch these things play out and we're up we're up on our first break so we'll be back we're going to check our mics to make sure that um, we can fix the little bit of technical difficulties we've had but you go refresh your coffee your beverage or just you know take a a, a downward dog and we'll be back in about two minutes Okay, we are back and we're ready to get into the second half. Um, there was a couple of things that we didn't get a chance to address um, in the first half that I do want to go back to uh, right before we dive into our brand situation analysis portion of the show. So um, before we move on to to that part, um, the Patriots owner, he, you brought this to my attention, Patriots owner, was busted with sex trafficking. What in the world? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's almost kind of laughable, you know, that it, it reminded me of a, a Jeff Bezos type of scenario where you have a ridiculously rich person mm-hmm. um, 
doing things that a commoner would do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, not to say that, you know, being rich uh, insulates you from stupidity or moments of stupidity or just la- a, a lack of. I can't even believe this is actually real. Uh, but one thing that I saw right before we went live was um, a lot of the uh, folks that hate the Patriots uh, have actually <laughs> taken up their jerseys, uh, like they got Eagles fans and um, uh, Raiders fans or whoever. They have gone to this particular massage parlor <laughs> and mm. start like just cheering outside because you know it's it's like the witch is dead. They've taken down you know, the almighty Patriots. Because the Patriots are coming off of a Super Bowl win just now, you know? For the second uh, year in a row. Yeah. Like, that doesn't even seem plausible. <laughs> well, you know, they said they're cheaters, you know, so you know, so a lot of a lot of the uh, bloggers and comedians have been taking um, taking that angle with this little you know, and this white boy, who I don't even know if the guy is married, but uh, you know that they're so they're so uh, accustomed to cheating, so this is just in their DNA. <laughs> to your point about two consecutive Super Bowl wins. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have no pity for this um, this owner, the Patriots owner. I don't even know his name. How about that? But I'm not a football fan either, so I probably don't know a lot of people's names <laughs> <laughs> in the world of sports. I probably should not make that as an admission, a public admission. But hey, because I do work with athletes, so I only know the athletes that I work well, with. Well, his name that. is Robert Kraft, and I actually do believe they're connected to the Kraft legacy. So these are people rolling in money, okay, and it ain't going to stop. Like the Seven Streeter song, and see, it won't stop. <laughs> see that point. I love the Seven Streeter reference, <laughs> um, but that point, it ain't gonna stop. You know, um, th- that's the thing that can get discouraging a lot of times. It's like these people can take so many hits, and it doesn't matter to them. It does. It, it's not gonna affect their profitability. You know, whereas going back to Jesse, this one hit could have possibly damaged his entire legacy of his family you know it just it just shows the income inequality here you know and I know that's a whole nother subject but I just it just it stands out to me well let's hit on that real quick let me say something about that really quickly now this is something as a practitioner you know when you're when we're looking when we're working with our clients and you know we work with clients that are emerging brands we also work with brands that are more established and then we work with more you know venerable brands like the fortune 500 companies or some of the the big athletes or entertainers Mm -hmm. along that continuum you really need to be very 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 mindful and careful about your moves as a as a brand at, at, at the beginning stage particularly because you have not cemented your the wealth that you're trying to procure along this journey so for somebody like a Jesse and I said I wasn't going to talk about that but I'm not talking about him specifically I'm talking about uh, a person at that stage in their brand development this was a misstep that could cost him his legacy and as you said 
because his family is so close in proximity his brand is so closely linked to theirs because they have a TV show a family cooking show this could Mm -hmm. sully their brand so you really need to be mindful of not just wanting to get an appearance or wanting to walk a red carpet you know we know we have a lot of clients to get caught up in all of that you have to be Mm -hmm. really mindful of the dollars and cents of all of your moves the cost that that you carry the 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 brand cost and the actual cost that is carried when you make a certain move okay so when we talk about a robert Kraft, that hold up for generations to come because of the multi-pronged uh investments they have he's not only involved in football he's involved in fast-moving consumer goods you know so there's a lot going on there beyond behind the surface and it just and i'll say this last thing it just calls uh to 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 your consciousness as a person endeavoring to be a brand you need to have people who know what they're doing when they're helping you build your brand right and you need to diversify your portfolio absolutely yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, good point. Good point to note. Um, but, you know, one thing, moving on, by the way, um, I was just really taken aback by this recent news that we're about to, the tea we're about to spill on this one. Because we, I was really, really excited when I found out this person was going to be leading up an organization that has just garnered so much attention since the Oscars of last year. I believe it was the Oscars. Maybe it wasn't. But Lisa Borders announced that she is stepping down from Time's Up as being Time's Up CEO due to her son's own sexual assault allegations. Mm. Oh my goodness. P. That's sad. It's, um, I'm speechless to be honest with you. You know, for a couple of reasons, you know, behind the scenes, you and I was have been working diligently on mm-hmm. positioning you um, as a leading expert because of your, your background and this kind of work of working with organizations who have to address very hardcore issues that could affect them deeply. And they have to be very careful about how they move in these processes because it could make or break them as a company. Um, and so when we found out that Lisa Borders, I think it was just in November of 2018, so a couple of months ago, it was announced that she was going to be the new CEO for the Times Up movement. It was really exciting because Lisa Borders is from Atlanta. She has a prestigious resume and background and she was most recently the CEO of the WNBA and prior to that she was on she was a, she was an executive with Coca-Cola and prior to that she was a politician here in Atlanta even ran for this uh, for mayor of the city of Atlanta so you know being given a black woman that role who has a double negative a lot of times in the corporate environment was gratifying to me. I felt like if anybody could probably make some real change happen, 
and make some people accountable for their actions um, and, and get some companies to really change their policies, it would be Lisa Borders. And she would need a, t- a team of experts um, on her on her side that she could kind of like deploy out into the field to go and help these companies fix a problem that has been plaguing American businesses since the establishment of American business. So, go ahead, Pete. Well, okay. <laughs> so, you know, you know, full disclosure, um, I never met Lisa, but I knew of Lisa when she was running for mayor. One of my uh, associates from uh, undergrad uh, was on her campaign, I believe, and he was telling me about her, and he was so excited about her uh, candidacy. And um, I think that your Kasim Reed won. So, um, but we are really excited about her. Uh, I I didn't know who she was until that uh, to that time, and that was you know I don't know, but eight years ago maybe. Um, so I had known of her, and I saw her different moves when she became you know. Um, when she started to lead the WNBA and I just thought that was just amazing and then when this announcement came out that she was heading up Time's Up I was like wow you know this is what we needed you know right um and then this story hits this past week and and and, and I will say this you know get it back to because this is going to be something that we analyze a little bit more um technically you know, one of the questions that we do ask clients is, you know, is there anything that we should know about that you don't want us to know? Right. <laughs> you know, is there something that, you know, that's in your background or connected to your family history that could, you know, um, undermine what we're trying to do with your brand? Because so we can get ahead of that um, and, you know, potentially craft a story or have you speak on it, you know, get talking points. And again, this is a more... Uh, technical side of what we do and so some you know listeners it might seem a little bit uh, disingenuous but you know as as a brand you have to think about these things because this could happen when I say this I mean this this story that happened to Lisa so you know I'll I'll let you go ahead and take take it uh, further but it's one of those things where somebody didn't do their due diligence yeah Someone didn't do their due diligence, but you know, I have to ask these questions. Um, it's like, you know, speaking of due diligence, how would you even know to ask that type of question, P? And you, I mean, you, you did allude to saying, is there anything we should know, but that's from a branding perspective. I guess when you think about hiring um, a CEO of a company, you look at their resume, right? You look at their resume and their track record and you ask yourself, are they capable of leading a company? And I believe her, by all accounts, it was a resounding yes. But but are you supposed to also ask them about personal things as well? Absolutely. No, absolutely. With this type of role... And for the listeners that don't know, another uh, hat that I wear is an executive coach and executive assessor and um, uh, recruiter. So from that standpoint, when you have a role that has this much visibility and the actual, the topics um, that are connected to this company, you know, Mm -hmm. this is a mission-driven, cause-driven company. So you have to make sure that, you know, as you say, 
uh, everything is clean in the milk, the milk is clean. You have mm-hmm. to really make sure that that uh, is the case. And so, you know, a lot of times, like when you're working on a political campaign, you really do have to do that digging because, you know, you have a whole uh, cadre of people called opposition researchers that are looking yep. for dirt on you. So, Absolutely. you know, the same thing applies. I always say uh, to my corporate clients that you are a mini celebrity. So you have to remember that you are on stage all the time. So when you go to the local bodega and that lady with you is not your wife, somebody might have their iPhone now. So you have to be careful about how you move now uh, if you weren't careful before. So to your to answer your question, yes, you do have to kind of do what some people would feel is unsavory in terms of digging and excavating in a person's past. And not just them, but the people that are connected um, to them as well. Wow. So what do you, what are the implications to Tom's up, if any? I mean, she was just appointed CEO in November of 2018, right as we were going into the holiday. And so she really hasn't had a chance to even put her own mark on this cause. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you just a tad, right? She She's mm-hmm. only been there for, what, four months or so. But what just happened, and I don't know if you caught it, because I almost missed this. She was on Oprah. Yeah. I did a sit down with her. And that was her, to me, because we had also uh, done a little research on her in the early days of her announcement and saw that she had either been on CNBC or MSNBC. But before that, or, uh, you know, since then, her visibility has been very scant. It hasn't been you know, where she, to me, where she could have used this platform in more vocal ways and bigger ways. Uh Um, um, So with that interview with Oprah, to me, that boosted her um, brand quotient to the, you know, so that, that was the opportunity for her to just skyrocket, not only her brand, but the the brand visibility for Time's Up. Um, So. uh, Yeah, and speaking of that, now that impact is goes the opposite way yeah it definitely can it definitely can if they don't get into high gear they have to get into high gear and ramp up uh whoever's going to succeed her uh and make sure that person is strong in crisis management or the team behind them are very strong in crisis management because you can't have an entity that's supposed to be able to squelch crises be enmeshed be meshed in a crisis itself so will it set times up back you know the the movement uh as it were the the bigger cultural um movement that's happening i don't think it's gonna set times up back but you will have people on the extreme sides of this argument seizing on this as an opportunity to undermine what this movement represents so they really need to come back with a double dose of uh, a mea culpa plus a way forward because we really hadn't seen in real detail or in granular depth what are they going to do? What are they going to do? So they need to come because when we were even looking at uh, the organization uh, early in, in the early days of her announcement, there wasn't a lot there uh, in terms of the meat of their mm-hmm. value proposition. So they, they're they going to have to accelerate that. If they if they weren't prepared to do it uh, a week, this past week, whenever this was announced about Lisa Border's son, they're going to have to be prepared to do that now going forward. 
Well, you know, I have to just add to this. Um, I, I'm really feeling that particularly so because <clears throat> with Lisa Borders being a black woman in that role, it was important to me. And I think it's important to the movement to have someone who has experience, um, been on the receiving end of some of this uh, privilege to be able to say what um, statutes Brand, uh, standards, etc., should be put in place in order to check for checks and balances in these organizations. So, when I scan the uh, land quickly, there is no one else that that comes up on the radar that can handle this like Elisa Borders. And it makes me think that there will either go um, back to the the current status quo of somebody getting that role. And it's just, it's just a, it, it's just messed up it's messed up to say the least (laughs) yeah to say the least um if i were to give um, lisa borders any advice though to your point um they need to accelerate um her statement and add more meat to it to for her brand's sake um i think it's very I think it's unfortunate that she is even to blame for her son's misconduct. And that's one of the questions that I do want us to kind of dive into. But I would say that I would just give a little bit more meat behind why she thought it was um, her responsibility to be to to take this type of action in light of her son's um, the assault, sexual assault, assault allegations, uh, why she felt this move was the best move for herself and for the organization. Um, that would at least protect her brand and give her, um, keep her the clout that she does have and was able to garner and to use it to leverage her next role and to not leave a bad taste in the mouth of those of us who are rooting her on and particularly within the media's eyes. So I would say that she needs to uh, come back with more meat to that statement pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, there's not much you can say there. Um, the, the the role itself is a very, very contentious role just by virtue of what the organization stands for. And, you know, every CEO, for example, doesn't have the same uh, challenges. And a CEO that stepped into a role like this by the virtue of the role itself is a lightning rod type of role because you're um, a maverick just by taking on that role. The organization is maverick. So you really have to be very astute politically um, and you have to be an, uh, an amazing orator and communicator. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at that press release and I looked at her statement, I just felt, you know, as much as, as as much admiration as I have for her and her CV and her resume over the years, uh, yeah, it, it fell a little short. And, and so whoever they replace her with, whoever succeeds her, they're going to have to come with it a double dose. Yeah, which is why I keep saying for her personal brand, she's got to bring more than what she did because um, it it it. She she left a lot to be desired. <laughs> it's like, well, can you tell us a little bit more about that though? Mm-hmm. Um, why why are you having to step down for your son's misconduct? I think it could have been an opportunity. And again, we don't know the facts of the case or the details of the case. But I thought I think it could have been an incredible opportunity for how she actually handled her the personal, you know, personally how she would handle her son 
and how she would speak about that to further strengthen her ability to, to lead help this people organization. move beyond these yeah. type of situations. Absolutely. And, you know, just in terms of um, reputation management and crisis management, I shouldn't be able to search your son and find him doing videos uh, entitled How to Become an MFN Legend. Okay. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go search that. Hopefully, has yeah, well, I'm not. I won't say hopefully. Hopefully, it has been taken down. But he has videos out there talking about how to be an MFN legend. <laughs> that lets you wow. know his 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 mind his state of mind. This doesn't this doesn't um, make Tom's up organization and their uh, re- executive recruitment look good because if that was out there. That should have been the first thing they should have asked her about in that interview, don't you think? Yeah, and pulled it down if they wanted to go with her candidacy. Let's pull that on down. Okay? Absolutely. Let's, let's pay your son's wow. salary to go sit on over to the side somewhere. <laughs> anyway. CP, this is why I want you to be out there more because they should have hired you. They would not have had this issue at all. You would have found that just like you found that. <laughs> right, just saying. But the, the general public can find that, you know, and that's and that's the sad part about it. These are the steps that you have to take. This is the due diligence that you have to employ. You know, simple search engine optimization could have handled that. We could have gotten that search uh, taken down to the bottom, you know, or if or deleted that from the internet altogether. That would have been yeah. the best move. Wow. Well, who do you think? From them back, I said when I look at the landscape, there's someone that really stepped into Lisa Porter's place, but. I um because actually in my notes I did have um a that I think could would do a job and you're a big fan of hers but so what I was trying to say um was that I I think I misspoke when I said that there was not anyone that I could point out currently that could replace Lisa Borders. But Tarana Burks could be a perfect replacement. I know you're a big fan of hers, P. So what do you think about Tarana Burks possibly stepping in as Time's Up CEO? I think that's a good possibility. Um, Also, um, Bozama St. John, um, who was the uh, I think chief Uber um, but those two I think are definitely front runners in terms of their uh, brand's visibil- visibility and their name ID because um, uh-huh. one thing that Lisa Borders to me didn't have even though she did have the uh, um, she did come from the WNBA having that, that prestigious role but I, I don't remember or recall her um being that visible, you know, because that that mm-hmm. that position you could garner uh, more press, more um, acclaim, and not just for your personal brand, but for the organization. Um, so I don't recall Lisa using that um, role or having PR or um, you know being a, a media darling, as it were, as a part of her mandate or something that maybe mm-hmm. she didn't want to do that. Um, so her name ID was sort of low, um, relatively speaking, but when you have Tarana, Tarana is the face of Me Too, 
uh, which is yes, very yes. much much adjacent to Time's Up, even though it's a subtle, subtle, um, nuanced difference there. But I feel like it's close enough where she could yeah. uh, take the reins and have the, the credibility uh, to lead the organization or be the face of the organization and people would believe her and, um, and get behind her. I agree. I agree. More so her than um, Bozama. I mean, I am a fan of Bozama. I think she's incredible. She's beautiful. She's bold. She's brilliant. But I think that it's not a good fit for her brand. She cozies up with a lot of these people that she would be tasked with probably calling, you know, ca- calling them out on their crap. And she's really flamboyant in a way that I think for Time's Up and Me Too, they really want to put some structure in place and have a tone of, you know, we're not taking your stuff anymore. You know, being being a little bit more serious. Bozama is definitely a serious brand, but she's also very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know that she would be a great fit for it. With, with that being said, I think she has the education, the experience for sure. And of course, Uber definitely gave her a, a run for her money with all of the things they were embroiled in um, that was considered negative against their brand. But I'm not sure that she was that successful at Uber either. And when she left Uber, she went on to, um, I can't remember what her, her, no, after she left Uber, she just recently took a, a position with um, William Moore's Endeavor brand. So apparently they are a marketing um, PR agency um, of sorts. They're a talent agency. Okay. Talent agency. Oh, talent. That's, that's the like, number one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I, I, I will say this, though. What happened at Uber is actually a case study for Time's Up, you know, because um, the former... Um, CEO of Uber, I think it was Travis, uh, he created a culture there um, that was colored by misogyny <laughs> um, and all the isms that you can name. And even though she wasn't legal counsel, a big part of her role was to change that narrative in the public because investors mm. were getting. Um, story started to leak of you know discrimination against female engineers and all this kind of stuff and you know her job a part of her job was to change that narrative so it is actually a case study it would have been a case study for times up you know now um would she have to uh, refine some of her um uh, her her style maybe uh, so I agree with you on that point, but I actually would have an um, interesting counterpoint to something you said a second ago. The fact that she has to cozy up to the tech giants and the, the leaders of industry in that space, I think they can work to her advantage because she has some credence with that population. You know, um, she knows how they move, how they work. Um, and, and she knows some of their innermost thinking. And that, to me, was one of the things that I uh, really was keen on Lisa addressing uh, mm-hmm. and and seeing where she would go with that because Time's Up as a organization and also as a movement, but particularly as an organization, it can have an adversarial tone coming into an organization. When you hear from Time's Up, if you get a call from Time's Up, you feel like you're in hot water. So how can you put somebody, how can you take somebody off their heels so they can say, okay, we, 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 we're, we're receiving this call, but 
how can you help us right so mm-hmm. somebody who knows the inner workings of those uh, C-suite offices that could mm-hmm. actually work to their advantage again I'm not saying that she is the only candidate but uh, but from the standpoint of her having the corporate experience I think that's a contrast with her in Toronto Toronto, Toronto has run um, I would say more nonprofit organizations but she mm-hmm. has had the corporate experience so you know if you could combine them together they would make the perfect person <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and it will probably be a Obama if you need to combine them. But back to Lisa real quick before we go um, to our to our other case study, um, the to further speak on you saying how Lisa didn't necessarily have um, the visibility, nor did she seem to, you know, even be associated with some of these um, from a corporate perspective. You know, being able to cozy up with some of these brands as Bozama can I think that in order for Lisa my, my thought was in order for Lisa to be successful she was going to have a team of qualified professionals mm-hmm. to help her carry that out because they didn't have the name recognition or the relationship with her to kind of I guess to speak in layman's terms listen to what she had to say versus a Bozama who is very um, known to be pretty much um, confrontational in how she approaches her work um, as well as um, Tarana just being a, a no-nonsense person um, dedicated to the mission and, and, and lifting up the voices of those silence because of um, situations that Time's Up will be addressing. No, absolutely. And I will say one last thing. One of the things that I think Tarana has that's important for the Times Up movement, right? So Me Too is about sexual assault. Um, um, it's about victims not being given a voice. Uh, and that can happen anywhere. Times Up, it's about sexual harassment and uh, other sexual inequalities in the workplace. And I think one of the things that syndicates Tarana for a position like this, again, uh, with all the other qualifiers that we've added. But one of the things that syndicates Tarana for this position is that Tarana is such an eloquent speaker. I'm not going to do what how we say in the Black community, what, what white people do to us. Oh, you're so articulate. But I will say that Tarana is very eloquent. She knows how to, 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 to language a very difficult, tough conversation in a way that's not threatening to people, even if you're the predator. Mm-hmm. I feel that she has that capability, with, which is a very, very, very nuanced ability. A lot of people don't have that. I don't care how smart you are, how many qualifications you have, how many clinical degrees you have. Some people just do not know to have, not know how to have that nuanced conversation that puts people at ease, particularly when they're the predator, not just when you're, they're the prey. So mm-hmm. that's something that whoever's going to fill the shoes of Lisa needs to have that capability as well so I, I just you know caution times up to make sure that when they do their, their vetting that they take that person through several media training exercises and that person is you know very uh, skilled at crisis management and is an amazing communicator yeah absolutely well I just have to just say this um, I feel bad for Lisa Borders I really do man what <laughs> I mean that's not clinical yeah. But that's yeah. for real. Wow, I feel like, man, yeah. what? That is yeah. so sad. 
That is very sad. So, um, our last case study is, um, I'm going to throw the, the ball over in your court on this. I think I'm, I'm, I'm on, um, 45 overload. Like I can't, my brain can't process anything else that's remotely associated with his brand. But apparently, um, Roger Stone, this character, um, that was, was he the campaign what was his role? I'm I'm so confused. Anyway, he is a character, a clown to me. Um, so to to think that he had any significant role of in, in executive leadership under the Trump administration further points to how laughable the Trump administration and his his entire background is a farce. But he threatened a judge and got slapped on the wrist. Like he he literally threatened a judge's life and they told him like don't do that anymore is that is that what happened okay so uh disclaimer i'm not an attorney okay um i'm probably attorney adjacent <laughs> which is attorney adjacent because dealing with hr so much in corporations but um and you have to really read the fine print on everything you do because you can be sued for everything in america um that aside uh, what I will say, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to try to parse out the a ruling from the judge. I'm just going to give you some of the uh, a flavor for what has happened uh, in the most recent uh, Roger Stone saga uh, and melodrama. Uh, melodrama. And to echo your point, he is a clown. <laughs> you know, in our archetypical language, he would be a jester. Um, you know, and that has worked for him. Uh, he's also a bit of a magician uh, in mm-hmm. archetypical language, uh, in the fact, in the sense that he was able to sell America on Donald Trump as a president. That that definitely took a magician. Uh, he definitely pulled the wool over our eyes. Uh, well, the public size because didn't work on me. But anyway, um, but what has happened here recently is that he. His team, he says, posted a picture of the judge on his Instagram. And in that picture of the federal judge presiding over his case, he put crosshairs, basically making her a target for a uh, a sniper, any type of gunman, you know. And right now with the political climate that we have, that could have dire consequences. Uh, you know, when people of position and import say things or put messages out there like this people act on it mm-hmm. and he knows this he is um, a, a PR branding person even though he uses his skills in that area in a way that I don't appreciate that's somebody who knows the media he knows the significance and weight of messaging and branding and spin you know and for him to do something like that is just irresponsible on a, on, on a level that is, you know, unfathomable. Uh, and to do that with someone who's presiding over your case, I mean, you have lost your MF in mind. Um, so to say that, you know, um, what would happen if someone else that wasn't Roger Stone that would, would have done something like that? That's it. What he did was equivalent to putting out a hit on her. Um, and we didn't talk about the story uh, in the first segment, but there was a, a Coast Guard out here plotting to kill Nancy Pelosi and all these Democratic leaders and some journalists. 
again, that has been, that fire has been stoked by the president of the United States of America, who says the media is the enemy of the state. You know, who says all these negative and divisive things about the oppositions, about the Democrats. You have people who have actually uh, called together weapons to go out and murder people. So what Roger Stone has done is he's just took another page out of Donald Trump's playbook. And if there had been anyone else, they would have been marched straight to jail. Okay. Right. And, you know, I, I guess I'll open it up back, you know, open the floor back up to you. But to, for, for me, the most salient point here is the level of, um, of the, the level of fragility of our democracy right now rests in the hands of people like Donald Trump and Roger Stone, who have dangled um you know, uh, incitement of violence, gaslighting. They have made that a part of a a, 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 a normal part of our day. (laughs) That is a normal part Uh of our public discourse is to possibly have someone say, oh, don't worry about hitting their heads against the, the, the police car. You know, rough them up. Oh, don't worry about putting a crosshair on a federal judge. Uh, this is just insane but over to you Timo yeah you know I have no words I told you I'm, I'm pretty speechless um, the fact that he seems to be getting a slap on the wrist for um, what looks like an obvious threat to a, a judge um, and, and we should take these cases seriously because judges have actually lost their lives there's recent media you know in the not too distant past where you have to take these things very seriously. And so they they continue to treat Donald Trump and his cronies with kid gloves, you know. And maybe it is because they are actual clowns. But at the end of the day, even if, if, if it is because they are clowns and you can't really take them seriously, they have a fan base that you must take seriously. Um, and those people are serious about keeping that man in office by any means necessary and so someone may act on these um, perceived threats that you're just willy nilly just throwing out there being very irresponsible by the way absolutely absolutely but one of the things I want our listeners and anybody um, out there to take away from this story is the need to know the law because they have danced around legal technicalities and loopholes to allow this man to be free. You know, in in every case that's connected to the person that sits in the office, right? Because you know I don't call him the president, but the person that sits in that space. In all these cases, I have seen time and time again, all of these legal maneuvers that have been applied to get these people off or to reduce their sentence or to uh, grant them some type of protections, you know, as their cases are being adjudicated or uh, being um, processed. And if you don't know the law, you better get to know it because it works for those who know it. Okay. Uh, As I like to say now, 
it's called knowing the game and how it's played okay so yes it's it's better for you if you know it so you can play the game um and with that said team we are at the close of our show it is the last sunday of, of february which means that black history month is coming to a close so is there a particular person that you want to highlight past present uh famous or not I do. Real quick, I want to give a shout out. And that sounds completely improper given the import of this woman's um, legacy uh, in in America and across the world, really. And and it's very apropos uh, connecting it to this R. Kelly story, which is a uh, blemish on the Black culture. Um, But, you know, R. Kelly had a very famous song called I Believe I Can Fly. Well, I want to give our uh, last Black History shout out to Bessie Coleman, uh, the first uh, African-American female pilot uh, to hold a pilot. Um, And she was, um, you know, really renowned uh, with what she accomplished. Uh, She was born in Atlanta, not Atlanta, Georgia, but Atlanta, Texas. I keep forgetting there's another Atlanta. But, um, and she was a tenth of 13 children to sharecroppers, George Coleman uh, and Susan Coleman. And um, she, you know, had um, a very interesting story. But one of the things I want to highlight, because I really admire this about her, and it's not really talked about in school or in uh, history lessons as much, but she got her license and um, she really learned how to fly in France. And she took a course in French before going to France. Uh, so she became fluent in French, which I just find that to be so amazing. When I find out things like that about um, the ancestors, it is just, you know, it just lets you know about the, the depth and the breadth of the genius that these people had. And if they had it, I can have it. You know, so it's just amazing to know that not only was she um, just such a, a, a vanguard and uh, brave and courageous person to pursue flight, literal flight at that time. Uh, born in 1892. You know, a person with that type of just genius and mm-hmm. ambition. Uh, she was flying high, literally flying high, but also she was learning multiple languages. So I, I think that's something that I wanted to highlight and say, you know, Bessie, uh, we still believe in flight because of you. <laughs> and we are continuing to fly because of your legacy. Thank you, Bessie. So we have went over our one hour once again, but <laughs> I don't know if we ever going to learn how to do this show in less than an hour. And hopefully you guys are, you know, engaged and plugged in as, as we are, obviously. But um, I want to um, give a nod to um, my great cousin, Mariana Neal Bradley. She has been my personal Maya Angelou, which I've called her that um, for many, many years, who has, is an educator. Um, she was one of the first college graduates in our family. And she has a book that she allowed me to help her publish, which was the birth of my PR career. Um, I was her editor. I was her, I sought out her 
publishing company and I helped her promote her first work, which gave me my business. And the book was called A Legacy of Inspiration. It was a book of poetry and prose full of wisdom for the ages. Literally, I got therapy. It was therapy editing that book. But she really just um, shared pictures throughout of um, people in our family that were deceased. But um, our ancestors, my grandmother, um, her mother, and it gave such a rich history for me to know where I come from. So I want to just thank you, Miriam and Neil Bradley, give you your flowers while you're still alive and say thank you for being my inspiration, my legacy of inspiration in my own family and for your courage to see, to push beyond all the stereotypes that you had to push beyond to become an educator and a, a college graduate. She actually participated in the sit-in that happened in North Carolina. Um, so thank you. Thank you for your legacy. And that concludes this episode of The Brand Situation. We thank you so much for tuning in. P, you have any parting words for our listeners? Stay woke. Amen. Until next time, <laughs> we will talk to you guys later.